Welcome to the Real Life Arizona podcast, the latest sermons from the Sunday worship gatherings of Real Life Ministries Arizona, delivered weekly right here. Let's get to this week's message. Okay, good morning. Morning. Can you guys hear me okay? Wow. Man, sometimes when we gather on Sunday mornings and we get to this part of the uh, service, I'm like, I'm good. I don't, I don't know that we need a message. My heart is so full. Like what Heather shared, the worship, uh, the guided prayer that John did. It's like, man, do I need anything else uh, to go out into the world now and praise God? But we're going we're gonna to have a little message anyways. But, uh, man, uh, I was just thinking as, as Celine and Jasmine were singing, like, I don't know what it, angels' voices sound like, but if it's better than that, that's, like, hard for me to, like, really grasp. I mean, just so beautiful and it's just so, I mean, just, again, my heart is overflowing now because of this worship. So, so thanks, guys, for using the gifts that God has given you. Um, so well and being obedient to the call or whatever it is but man you, you, you are gifted so thank you alright we are in week three of a four part series on God's presence yeah and as we wrap up this uh, series on Christmas Eve this Friday evening at four right here there will be a great message for people that are close to God and far from God. So if you've got somebody you know that they're like, well, I think they're pretty far from God, this this Friday would be a good time to bring them here. Um, so if you've got friends, you've got neighbors, people that, that maybe are far from God, this Friday at 4 would be a great time to bring them uh, as we gather, and I'm sure this place will be full of lots of people uh, singing God's praises. So... As Christmas approaches, uh, people like me think about presents. As a kid, you're like, okay, here's my list. I'm shooting it off to Santa. I'm telling my parents. I'm like, man, presents. And as a parent, you make that transition. And I remember my parents saying, oh, we, we just get so much joy out of giving you guys gifts. And I just remember thinking, I'm never going to be that way when I'm a parent. I'm like, I like getting gifts. Um, but then at some point, I did make that transition, and it was like, yeah, no, I love giving presents to our children. Um, and so it's very easy for Christmas to become about the presents, and, and we miss the importance of it being about God's presence with a C. So that's what we're talking about. And before we do that, man, I should pray, because I, uh, I need God's help this morning. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Man, we thank you for the opportunity to gather, to sing praise to you, to pray to you, and to allow your Holy Spirit to teach us what it is that you're working on in each of us. So Lord, I pray that as these um, words come out of my mouth, a simple man, to the ears and the hearts of people that are hearing it, both here and, and online, I pray that your Holy Spirit, the great teacher, would move in each of us and help us to, to learn and understand what you're wanting to teach us here and now in this season. I pray and ask these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. 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 So uh, week one, we looked at a story of Joseph and the angel, the presence foretold. We saw how God uh, was at work. He was fulfilling 
prophecies and promises. I mean, I think about what Troy talked about. Just eight prophecies was like enough silver dollars to cover the world, which is hard for me to fathom. Um, how God was bringing about his unfolding plan to redeem humanity. Um, and that the advent, the arrival of Jesus this Christmas season was about the presence of Emmanuel, or God with us. Last week we looked at the story of Mary um, and the angel, the presence received. We saw how the presence of God uh, is best received by grace. And we took time to consider who was Mary? Why was she the special recipient of this honor? And we learned that it was God's grace. So this week we're going to look at Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 56. But before we do, I want to tell you a story, a personal story. It's a story about rejoicing. Uh, it's about singing. Sometimes in life somebody shares something with us that's so personal um, and so impactful, it stays with us for years. Uh, when Troy asked me, he said, hey, can you um, put together a message for this week that's about uh, a presence rejoicing. I thought, okay, rejoicing, that's singing. That's like, and to me that's like, whoo, man, like, almost like I can't keep this in. I got to get this song out of me, kind of singing. Um, I thought, man, I can, think of a, I can think of a great example. Instantly went back 35 years. So I'd like to tell you this story. So 35 years ago, I'm a high school senior, um, sitting in a classroom. It's a Friday afternoon. Got this teacher, Mr. Smith, who I didn't know a lot about other than he was a great teacher, a very kind, compassionate, easygoing man. Um, and he shares a story with us. So in the summer of 67, Scott McKenzie released a song titled San Francisco. Be sure to wear flowers in your hair. Some of you that are my age or older know the song. Um, the rest of you, you can look it up on YouTube later. Um, anyways... In 67, Mackenzie releases this song, and it instantly skyrockets up the charts. Interestingly, it makes it all the way to number four in America, but in other countries, Australia, European countries, it rockets to number one. It's this song about peace and about love and about going to San Francisco. So Mr. Smith says, hey, I want to tell you all today about one of the greatest moments in my life. And it was instantly silent in the classroom because we weren't talking about history, we weren't talking about economics, we weren't talking about government. We're talking about him. It's like, whoa. So I leaned in on my chair and he said, uh, in 1968, after surviving 13 months in Vietnam, um, <clears throat> which was hell on earth in the jungles, and these are his words, um, I was loaded onto a large commercial passenger jet in Da Nang uh, with lots of other service members. They were called the Freedom Birds. These were big commercial jets that they would fly service members to and from uh, Vietnam. He said he buckled, we buckled into our seats, engines fired up, rumbled down the runway, lifted off into the sky, and as we cleared Vietnamese airspace, the captain came over the uh, microphone and he announced, ladies and gentlemen, we're officially out of the country of Vietnam. And he said that cheers erupted, and quietly at first, and soon very loudly, the men and women on that plane began to sing. And what were they singing? They were singing Scott McKenzie's song, San Francisco. 
because these freedom birds would fly from Vietnam to Japan, sometimes to Guam, to Hawaii, and then to San Francisco. And he said that as they were singing this song, it got louder and louder. And the, by the third verse, he was singing at the top of his lungs. And tears were streaming down his cheeks. Um, and by the end, as he looked around, there really weren't any dry eyes in the plane. And he said as he was singing, he, for the first time in his life, was really overcome by waves of emotion. Sadness for the friends that he had lost in Vietnam. Gratitude for surviving and being set free. And hope. And with misty eyes in a silent classroom full of rambunctious high school seniors, he got out this little record player, pulled out this record. You know, younger people, it's like this flat, black, shiny thing. <laughs> put it on there, put the needle on, hit go, and played San Francisco for us. Um, and he smiled while it was playing, and I just thought, man, that is powerful. And I was an 18-year-old punk that didn't care about much, but that was powerful. See, songs have the power to alter our moods, to bring up memories and feelings. Singing also provides an emotional release for us, a way to express our thoughts and feelings. And for me, I think we sing sometimes because there's things inside of us that we got to get out that just words on a paper is not enough. Today we're going to look at a song. So if you are able, please stand with me while we read Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 56. Mary visits Elizabeth. At the time, Mary got ready and hurried down to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby of my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And Mary said, and this is her song, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of, this, of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Have a seat, please. A presence rejoiced. Okay, so there's a lot we could unpack here. Um, but I just want to focus on Mary's song. What was she trying to express, you know, beyond words? One of our favorite 
Christmas family movies, and it's not deeply religious, but the movie Elf with Will Ferrell is just, I mean, we just can't help but love it and laugh and quote it all year long. Um, but there's this one scene where he's like in his dad's office and he's like, I'm here with my dad and I'm singing. He's just like, he's just like, man, letting it go. Um, and I wonder sometimes if this wasn't like Mary, you know, she goes to visit Elizabeth and Elizabeth says all these kind things and then she's just like, man, I got, I got to let this song out. And so she lets it out. Um, so what was she trying to express beyond words that we can learn from her? And, and I think more importantly that maybe we could apply to our lives this week. Because um, I think that's part of what God wants us to do with his word, why he's, why he's given this to us, why he sends us the Holy Spirit to teach us, uh, as he says, what this means. Um, so how could we apply the Song of Mary this week as we approach celebrating the birth of our Savior? So she begins her song in verses 46 through 49 by telling us that her soul glorifies the Lord and that her spirit rejoices in God, her Savior. Because as Mary says, he has been merciful, of, mindful, I'm sorry, mindful of the humble state of his servant. And though she is of humble state, from now on, all generations will call her blessed. Like Mary's like, man, I am like from Nazareth. That's like Gila Bend. Okay, she's like, I am from Nazareth. I am a teenager. I am a nobody. I come from a poor family, and the God of the universe just showered me with this blessing that people will remember for eternity. She's like, who, who am I that God is mindful of me? Makes me think of the words of King David. Who, who, who am I, Lord, that you are mindful of me? So. That emotion inside of her causes her to burst forth in this song of rejoicing. Like, wow, my spirit rejoices in you, God, because you've been mindful of the humble state of the servant. I think humility is really important. Uh, in James 4.10, uh, a book written by Jesus' brother, James tells us, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Some translations say, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. It's kind of Mary's story, right? She was humble before the Lord and he lifted her up. In Matthew eleven twenty nine, one of my favorite verses, I think one of Heather's favorite verses, Jesus tells us, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And in me you will find rest for your souls. So Mary's song, or, or hymn, as they called it back in the day, it, it kind of provides a theological interpretation of the events that were going on in her life in a narrative form. Mary sings much in the same way that Hannah sang uh, over the birth of Samuel. And in both these hymns, God is praised for saving the lowly and the oppressed. Maybe what we would call the humble. Both of these women were on what Pastor Troy calls the healthy side of I am nothing. So humility. So I think one of the key themes in Mary's song and in her life and the life of Jesus, and maybe one of the takeaways us for today as we leave here and go and go about our upcoming week is to embrace humility. 
And allow God to lift you up, either here on this earth or on the other side in eternity. But not to lift ourselves up. In verse 50 to 51, Mary follows up her rejoicing over God, being mindful of her in her humble state, with recognition of God's mercy. Mercy that, as she says in her song, extends to those who fear him. And that he has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. This is an interesting contrast. She starts out talking about humility, mercy, pride. I'd like us to think about for a moment pride versus humility. Because I think we live in a culture right now where pride and narcissism are celebrated. Like everybody's got a phone and some type of a social media thing and let me take a picture of me doing something and share it with the world because the world's got to see this. Um, And we don't really lift up people that are humble or lowly or simple. In fact, I think oftentimes those types of folks are pitied in our culture. Yet Mary is here, she's like, boom, this song I gotta get out of me, this rejoicing. She's saying, man, God has lifted me up in my humility. He scattered the proud. And so it's easy for me to go, well, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm not prideful, I'm good. I'm good, right, Mary? We're good. Um, But then I look at her words, and she says, proud in their inmost thoughts. It's like, oof, man. If I'm honest, at times, pride does have a big, comfy bedroom in my inmost thoughts. And this is a good reminder for me. Who did God choose? Who did God choose to be the mother of the son of the world who would redeem all of humanity. He chose this humble woman from Nazareth who gets it. And I I think last week we were like, why Mary? Why Mary? And then I see this song and I go, oh yeah, I get it. I get it. I get Mary. I get why God picked Mary now. Mercy. So yeah, we have shortcomings, which is why we need God's mercy. Mercy is not something God owes to us, but it's something that he extends to us out of his kindness, out of his grace, though we don't deserve it. And Mary is singing praise and rejoicing about God's character, how he shows mercy to those who fear him, and how he scatters the proud. Those who fear him. You know, the Proverbs and Psalms are full of, if you fear the Lord, Fill in the blank. And it's always good stuff that I'm like, well, yeah, I, I, I would love for that to be what my life looks like, fear of the Lord. And so I've wrestled for years, like, what does it mean to fear God? Um, in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, I think there's this great picture of what it looks like to fear God. And it's the example of Jesus. Hebrews 5, 7 says... While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers, and because of his, Jesus' deep reverence for God. 
When I think about what it means to fear God, I think of this, here's Jesus, the Son of God. Yet he, as the writer of Hebrews tells us, had this deep reverence of who God was. So maybe another important takeaway that Mary is pointing us to beyond just embracing humility. The takeaway from her song that just bursts forth there, and I like to think it was in Elizabeth's kitchen, you know. Let's go with this song. I think one of the other key takeaways is that we should fear God so that we can enjoy a deeper communion with him. Verse 52, she sings of how God humbles the proud and lifts up the humble. In verse 53, she talks about how he fills the hungry with good things. And then in verse 54 and 55, she finishes her song with a recognition that God keeps his promises to Abraham and to his descendants forever. She knew that the Messiah of the world, the Anointed One, was in her womb as she sang this song. And that his birth was the fulfillment of a promise. And that God was keeping this promise to Abraham and to the nation of Israel. And so I thought, man, maybe this is the final takeaway from this song, at least for me. And a great reminder, God keeps his promises. He keeps his promises. And man, I think that's something I share with people who I talk with that aren't believers. And they have all these misconceptions about what Christians may or may not be. And I always just go back to this one thing. I say, well, I don't know about other people. I know this. I have hope. And the hope that I have is born out of God keeping his promises. God keeping his promises for several thousand years. God keeping his promises to me. That if I choose to follow him, that he'll change me. That if I choose to do the things he teaches me in his word, he will bless me. Not, not in name it, claim it, material ways, but in ways that are far more valuable. Blessing me with songs that fill my heart with just power. Blessing me with a wife who have a deep and special relationship and children and things, things that you can't buy. So I always share that. I have hope. My hope is born out of God honoring his promises. So I think maybe that's the final takeaway here, is that God keeps his promises. And because of all of this, Mary is rejoicing. A presence rejoiced. Mary rejoiced in a song at the coming presence of the Savior of the world. Mary encourages us to embrace humility. Is that something I could do this week? Is that something you guys could do this week? What does that look like with skin on? I think it's worth trying. She also encourages us to, to fear God, to fear a holy God, to have a reverence with him that will lead to a deeper fellowship with him. So I'd ask you to think about the obstacles and distractions that may be getting in the way of you having a deeper more reverent relationship with God. And I encourage you to pray that maybe God would reveal those things and that maybe he would begin helping you to remove some of those things. And Mary reminds us that God keeps his promises, that the promise of Jesus is where we 
where I can draw strength. Strength in the hope that his birth, his ministry, his death, his resurrection are all part of God's master plan to redeem each of our souls for eternity. So really, Mary's song is a song of hope. For me, hope is the one thing that gives birth to joy in me. When I think of hope, when I think of joy, when I think of singing, I'm taken back to the spring of 1987 in Mr. Smith's classroom. And the words, we were singing with joy and sadness for friends we had lost, gratitude for surviving and being set free, hopeful for our return home. During this Advent season, my prayer for each of you all and for myself is that we might find some space to sing. Maybe you got to do it in the shower. Maybe you got to go in the door, closet, lock the door. Maybe it's in the car. That's my favorite place, man. Just crank it up and let loose because nobody else can hear me. But I pray that you might find some space to sing. Sing to God. Thank Him. Thank Him for the survival that you might have in salvation. Thank Him that He's inviting you to go out into this world and help Him reach the lost. And sing for joy with the promise that we have in our eternal home. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you that you know what's going on. That you have got a plan. And that we can trust you. And that you don't need us to grab hold of the wheel and show you how to do it. That you've got this. And the evidence that we see in the life of Mary. Man, I look at this song. I look at the words she she sang to you because just saying words was not enough. And I get it, God. I get why you chose Mary. So, Lord, I pray for each of us. I pray for myself. Lord, I pray this week that we would embrace humility. I pray that we would remove obstacles that get in the way of us loving you, having deep, reverential fear and love and communion with you. Pray that we would look at the promises you've kept in the history of humanity in each of our lives. And I pray in all that, Lord, that we would sing to you. Whether it's a Christmas song that has a new meaning or some song we make up like Elf in our living room. Lord, I pray that each of us, man, what do you give a king? What do you give the God of the universe who has everything? I think you're asking for our hearts. I think you're happy when we do it in the form of a song. So, Lord, we love you. I pray that you bless this time. I thank you for the friends that are here, for the friends that are on Zoom. Lord, I'm mindful of the families that aren't here because of sickness or travel. God, pray that you'd be with them. Pray for the numerous college students that aren't here this Sunday because they're back home with their families. I pray that would be sweet time. We love you, Lord. I just pray and ask this all now in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Real Life Arizona is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, 
and exists to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. For more information about Real Life, please visit our website at reallifearizona.com or email us at info at May God richly bless you.